Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phineas Club. My name is Patrick Beja, and uh, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Usually, what we do is that, especially on these end-of-month episodes, we uh, talk to different people from different parts of the world and get their um, opinions and feelings on what's been happening in the past uh, month or so. And we also have specials where we talk about one specific thing. In the past few weeks in the past couple of months we've been talking a lot about the same topics uh, a lot about you know COVID and uh, the presidential election in the US and also the uh, Brexit and things like that and I felt like um, I wanted to get away from that a little bit and uh, we you know if I got to if I went to the usual people it would have been that again so I, I thought no let's get something else, something different, different people. Uh, turns out it's one person who's going to be talking about something that I'm not sure we have all heard about in detail. Um, let's introduce her now. Uh, Ach, how is it going? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's really nice that you want to get the perspective all around the world and uh, like talking a bit <sighs> Other things than elections and COVID uh, should be interesting, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. so I'm from Armenia. Like, um, basically, my day job is just being technical recruiter and hiring for roles so like in game development and basically this is how i know you and uh, <laughs> and recently the situation in armenia is a bit different and everybody is not only their profession but also a bit more than their, the, just their profession considering the war situation and post-war situation so that's basically yeah. how it's going right now it's yeah. So I didn't say it explicitly, but uh, we're going to be talking about the war in uh, Armenia. And um, so, if you were hoping for a lighter subject, I guess you're out of luck because no one Oopsie. wants to talk about. <laughs> you know, no one wants to talk about happy things. Maybe go watch Ted Lasso. It's a wonderful show. Uh, it's amazing. But uh, I feel like the the war in Armenia is so. Uh, uh, like it's such a great example of things that we should be talking about more on this show and in general, because we feel like it's the end of the world here. Uh, when I say here, I mean like in Europe, in the US, every time something bad happens and there are places where actually bad things um, are happening all the time and we, we're not really even aware of it. Like maybe it's because of COVID and the American election and stuff like that, but the war in Armenia, it's not like it hasn't been reported on. Um, it's definitely been reported on in, in uh, Europe, at least. But we were so focused on other things that the extent of my knowledge of this conflict, and I apologize, Ach, I'm, I'm going to be asking uh, a lot of very dumb questions, which is my specialty on this show. Um, I mean, I mean, curiosity counts. Uh, it's very... <laughs> It's so my, my the expect of the extent of my knowledge on the topic is uh, apparently Armenia and Azerbaijan have been in a war for the past few weeks and now it's uh, been resolved very much to the deficit of Armenia through the influence of Turkey and Russia and mm -hmm. I don't know what the war is about. I don't know how bad it was. I don't know how involved the population, the civilian population was. Like, I am uh, embarrassingly uninformed about all of this. So uh, 
can you can you please uh make me less dumb i guess is the <laughs> request uh, okay i was fine given my like profession is in journalism at all and i'm just going to share my personal experience that's uh, that's what that's, we're uh, looking for I, I, will, yeah. i will try to be a, a bit less dumber in the conflict given i'm in the situation so basically what happened started uh long ago but i'm not gonna dive into the history part of it just the recent escalations could involve uh, like four years ago when of something called four four day war happened between again uh, azerbaijan and Artsakh with support of armenia inside of the uh, Artsakh, of course um and, sorry mean, between Azer- azerbaijan and what uh Artsakh, yeah i was going to elaborate okay. uh, like uh, the the territories are disputed, and uh, while the international community calls it uh, calls it Nagorno-Karabakh, and so does uh, Azerbaijan, uh, most of the people in Armenia now call it Artsakh because it's like non uh, non recognized country republic. But yeah, I mean, it, it probably I, maybe I chose the wrong wording, and Nagorno-Karabakh will be more, you know. Uh, I don't think I don't think I would have known either. But just to be clear, it's a territory uh, on the border between Armenia and Azerbaijan, right? Yes, and basically that's a disputed area. Basically, officially, UN uh, UN side, it's Azerbaijani territory, but uh, factually, de facto, it was ruled by Armenians uh, since I don't know since the Soviet Union um, is no more in the area. Uh, basically, it was just uh, just an independent area governed on its own. I mean, you have a person that's uh, that's the president of the republic, but uh, you know, as as long as nobody knows the republic and no nobody recognizes the republic, is just a self um, self recognized mm. one. Okay. So this is basically the situation. I mean, you you can already get the get the feeling how mixed up everything is. Uh, that's because uh, you know the territory has been historically uh, historically lived by both Armenians and Azeri people, and uh, uh, some there there were some periods where it was very peaceful. People were very uh, friendly with each other, but uh, things changed with the recent escalation like 30 years ago when the war uh, was between uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia after the Soviet Union clashed and um, crashed. Sorry. And uh, recently, after the four days war that happened four, four years ago, the very recent escalation happened this year, September 27. I mean, Right when everybody was really busy with elections, with COVID happening around, um, all the media around the world was announcing that uh, the... Sorry, just just a second. Um, When you say everyone was busy with the election, which election are you referring to? Uh, Oh, I mean, I mean... A lot of things were happening around the world. U.S. elections were being prepared, and everybody knew that it was—it's going to be a big one. And yeah, uh, so that's why—that's why I'm, I'm asking because it's not obvious uh, to me, and I guess to some of the listeners, that the you know in Armenia you would be uh, you know following the U.S. election. I guess it just confirms everyone in the world has been following it. But you, you're also saying that. In Armenia, it was a, a significant topic of conversation in September before the the war started. Oh, um, oh no! I mean, that's not that's not what I meant. I mean, okay. while the world was busy. Oh, the world was busy. Okay, you didn't care about the U.S. election. Well, we did, but not uh, <laughs> not to, to extent to uh, like have it bold enough in the community to or you know to yeah. have more attention to that than to the situation course, uh, okay. happening in the, I mean, locally, because COVID was uh, pretty harsh in Armenia, uh, a lot of cases and second, uh, second, uh, second, second flow, if, second if I'm going to call that. Yeah, second wave was there. Uh, so basically, September 27 is the date that uh, international media um, just kind of reported that war erupted again uh, but basically it's no fact that uh, i mean i mean this is this is this is where you're going to be yeah. you you want me to tell how neutral neutral i want to be i mean uh, basically it is just claimed that uh, both sides are blaming each other for starting the war again 
Um, so, but, but, but to me, it doesn't make sense that Armenia will restart the war uh, because it, it wasn't very much in our uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, yeah, 44 days and real war for me personally, it was, it, it felt like a, a bit of unrealistic because 21st century, you don't expect to have the war, like really the war and listening how people are killed, both civilians and both um, military people on both sides. I mean, uh, war isn't something very, very beautiful. And uh, (laughs) this one was pretty much a shocking one for both sides, I guess. So how did it it start then? Do you... Do, do you think uh, the Azerbaijan forces tried to uh, to enter uh, Artskaf? Uh, Artskaf, yeah. Artskaf. Uh, basically, sorry. <laughs> I, I think so. Because just to the... just to be clear again, sorry um, for the people who don't who aren't listening, and I'm I'm you know watching on on a map uh, as we're discussing, so I, it's not like I actually know what I'm talking about. But the territory is actually inside Azerbaijan uh, land, and it's like an island inside Azerbaijan land, um, but it is supposedly independent and mostly comprised of Armenian, an Armenian population, correct? Yes. yes. Right. Yep. Yep. Very much. And so, and so the Azerbaijan forces tried to enter the Enter the, the parts of the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh that were ruled by Armenians, uh, okay. and uh, tried to try to gain more, try to rule more land. I'd say so. Uh, and basically, as you mentioned, uh, the, the war was forty-four days, uh, and uh, recently on November tenth, uh, the ceasefire was agreed upon. I mean, it was four ceasefire de facto, and uh, mm. the only one that uh, still keeps. Before before that, there were another agreements that we are stopping, but uh, nothing was happening. I mean, people were agreeing okay. to stop, and ten minutes later, after that, uh, both sides were claiming that others restarted the fire. So uh, the uh, before we get to the war- before we get to the to the end, uh, or well, supposedly the end of the of the conflict. When it started, can you give me uh, an image or an impression of the reaction of people in Armenia? Was it surprise? Was it like how did did people react in the beginning of the war? Oh, uh, vividly for me, I do remember how it started. I mean, you just wake up in the morning and you read another another announcement that some clashes are happening on the border because this used to be like the typical situation. You just know some clashes are happening all the time, but uh, then there is a difference between clashes and war. And uh, like closer to the midday, that was just Sunday, and closer to the midday, you just feel that this is way more than just clashes because mm. the amount of uh, clashes and everything was already prognosing that this is not just uh, another clashes and this is going to be big. Uh, so personally, for me, it was very much surprise. I mean, you're planning on your Sunday on doing fun stuff and then you just realize that, oh my God, uh, closer to the evening, uh, your friend is uh, called back to the army just because they need more people. I mean, this was pretty much the situation. Everybody was uh, a bit surprised. I mean, uh, not very surprised surprised because uh, basically this is a situation everybody knows that we were in pre-war situation and mm. every minute war can, can could be restarted uh, but uh, the date and when and how it happened was a surprise and uh, my guess would be that wasn't just uh, just the population but also some of the uh, some of the political elite wasn't very prepared to that and, um, you know, I don't know if you were following the news in Armenia, but uh, we, we, we recently had some major political, uh, political change since it was a very peaceful revolution in Armenia uh, two years ago. And uh, we were just trying to uh, see the fruits of this revolution. And, uh, yeah, and uh, the well, war was you- one of the most discussed topics. You, you, can, you can tell us a bit more about that as well, because, of course, when we're hearing about... Uh, the war and the uh, uh, you know the resolution which is in 
which is to the disadvantage of Armenia, we start hearing about uh, the change in government and the promises that were made uh, a couple of years ago. But can you tell us a little bit more about that so that we get some context? Um, what happened two years oh, ago? So basically for for dozens of, dozen of years, I mean, like 20 plus years, Armenia didn't have a truly elected legitimate government. Uh, I was uh, a couple of times I was myself uh, watching the elections. It was just just what whatever is happening around that wasn't the election and uh basically the revolution was the way to change the government and choose someone that was truly chosen by the population i mean people were finally again back involved in a political political situation and they weren't just okay they they they're going to do whatever they want to do whatever happens but they people were actually uh, looking back into what is happening how the money like Finances are governed and stuff like that, and uh, uh, but in the in the like background, everybody knew that this isn't something that Russia is very uh, very like sympathetic with uh, mm. because changing and going towards more democratic uh, structure of the population and like overall uh, country wouldn't be something that Russia is very. Uh, you know, happy I mean, with, uh, happy with, yeah. And um, basically, everybody was afraid that this is going to happen because similar cases happened with Ukraine, with Georgia, and uh, yeah, you, you got the idea, I guess. I mean, yeah. Uh, so that, that was the yeah the the, the, the thing um, which has been happening recently for those who might not be aware is that. For various reasons, Russia has been intervening in the affairs of other countries, uh, especially when they seem to be uh, inching towards uh, the West and the European Union. And um, that is always a concern, and especially in Finland, where I live, which is on the border of Russia, but part of the EU. So it's a little bit more complicated mm. for Russia to butt in. But um, so it's always a concern, something we keep an eye on. But so what you're uh, uh, saying, what you're suspecting is that uh, it is not impossible that Russia might have, uh, you know, elbowed uh, Azerbaijan a little bit and said, hey, why don't oh. you do that? And then oh, no, all of no, no, a sudden... No, 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 no. That's, that, that, that wasn't what I, what, where I was going. I was rather going towards uh, part of the, part of the, you know... Um, security from that country was lost. I mean, uh, this is this is pretty much a region, post-Soviet region, where you still feel the influence and Russia being uh, one of the biggest financial and economical uh, economical aspects in the area. And uh, uh, like uh, the previous government was very personally connected with the with the elite in Russia. I'd say so. I mean, this is as far as I. As far as I can judge, I mean, I'm not, I'm not into the topic, but whatever. Uh, so basically, uh, basically, what I'm saying is changing and moving towards democracy uh, was costing us uh, a bit of losing the um, support there, and uh, having less, uh, having less security from security feeling from that area. Though mm. Armenia is officially involved in a military alliance with Russia, and uh, I mean the, the countries have been very friendly uh, historically, and uh, with considering the Soviet uh, history, um, I mean that's that that's not what I was saying. I was rather saying that uh, a part of the um, security was lost with that. Okay, so the the presence of Russia in the region was a stabilizing force. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. with the changes, the political changes in Armenia, that kind of watchful Russia kind of stepped, lost a little bit of, it, of its influence there, which might have opened the door for Azerbaijan to become a little bit more brazen yeah. and forward. 
But uh, a, a bigger destabilizing was, uh, like destabilizing aspect was Turkey this time. Uh, I mean, right. um, it hasn't. It, it has been a while since I've. Uh, I personally have heard about Turkey being involved in anything connected with Armenia, and uh, yeah, this is happening again. I mean, uh, given the given the uh, history between Armenia and Turkey, I mean, uh, Armenia is basically now. Now having just uh, diplomatic, uh, healthy relationship just with two of our neighbors, that will be Georgia and Iran. And basically from the other side, Turkey and Azerbaijan, we just have no diplomatic relations whatsoever. Right. And uh, Turkey is getting back to the region uh, through this Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. This this was a huge bummer from for everybody in the in, in Armenia and uh, mm. like on on I mean. On both personal uh, level and uh, more political thinking of way. Okay, so let's take a, a little bit of a chronological view. So the conflict starts at the end of uh, September. The the war mm -hmm. really starts at the at the end of September, um, and it lasts for about six weeks. Was it something like that? Forty four days. Forty four yeah. days. What? Can you tell us, like, summarize? I know it's probably not easy, but the the evolution of things over those forty four days. I'm it's I'm sure it's the kind of thing that goes really quickly when you look back, but feels like forever when you're living through it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, when we were when I was in the situation, it felt like a lot of things are happening. But then when you have the bigger picture after everything is done. Uh, basically, uh, there are two, two areas that Azerbaijan started to attack upon. That was uh, the north and south mainly. Uh, center was like better secured, I guess. That's why they didn't attack on that area. Though the clashes were happening all over the, the line and uh, Azerbaijan was mainly succeeding to go forward to, towards, I mean, if we go geographically in the borderline with Iran and they were moving in that direction and they kind of got most of the land under their rules uh, on the southern part and uh, then moved towards Shushi and Shushi is uh, Shushi or Shusha, if we go with Azerbaijani pronunciation, uh, is very very important, you know, culturally for both nations. I mean, I do see from Armenian perspective why it's important because it's cultural, because a lot of history goes there. And the and recently, that was very interesting. Recently, I started to learn why it's also important for other people. And uh, Shusha is also, Shushi, Shusha is also very important, um, like, uh, from military perspective, because it's very highly located and uh, it gives easy easy way to you know um, to control the area. Mm. Uh, and uh, Are we, sorry this again, this is going to be a very dumb question, and I apologize in advance. Um, are we still talking about Artsakh, or is it yes. yes? Okay, so this is focused on that independent republic uh, inside the. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, inside the you land of You think of it as a second city. I mean, the, there is Stepanakert, which is considered the uh, capital of the unrecognized uh, Republic of Artsakh, and then there is Shushi, which is like kind of cultural center. And okay. uh, Shushi is also, I mean, when we go back to the to the previous war, Shushi was, uh, I mean, we Armenia are, uh, we in Armenia have, public holiday for the day that Shushi was liberated. Mm. So, so that you know the, the, how important that was for the nation. And uh, then uh, closer to the end of the end of the war, uh, the Shushi was uh, uh, under attack and clashes were happening in the city. And uh, that, that's when you get the feeling that uh, the, the closing is, uh, closure is very close. Sorry for the... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. So... Can you give me again kind of a, a picture of how, like, because when when we imagine this kind of thing, I imagine everyone, of course, watching the news and getting reports from, you yeah. know, journalists and things like that, but also on Twitter all the time and checking uh, maybe even YouTube and stuff like that. Is that the case? Like you're... Yeah. 
Yes, yes. I mean, uh, my day was basically consisting of uh, 10 hours of scrolling to Twitter, both Armenian media and Azerbaijani media. Uh, Basically, Twitter was the only social media available for Azerbaijani people. So that's that's the only place you could get the voice and uh, the uh, the emotions happening on the other side. Uh, And basically, so you would go seek out news from from Azerbaijan as well. Uh, yeah, not many people are doing that, but mm. I, I figured out this is one of the best ways to get uh, to, to stay informed, to know mm. about both sides of the story. So, so how do you uh, feel about it? Sorry, I'll let you continue, but it's very interesting to me. I'm very curious. How uh, it... Well, you know, I mean, it's sometimes it was very graphic. And uh, uh, personally, I was blocking very graphic content because, I mean, uh, it's not a nice thing to see a video of someone getting beheaded and to go then doing your stuff. I mean, it's not really easy. Uh, Basically, I was just trying to see the, um, I mean, um, as a person that that, uh, believes in peace very much, I mean, I do believe that only towards conversation, towards dialogue, we can we can close the conflict forever because now it's just halted and uh, most probably will re-erupt in in a matter of time. I mean, it's just a matter of time. So mm. basically I was trying to see what other side is thinking, what they feel, uh, what is the what is the part where we can uh, we can speak again, but, uh, but in most cases it was just... Um, just impossible. I mean, every mm. comment from uh, every comment from Armenian person on Azerbaijani accounts was followed just by hundreds of people going with uh, like best practices of hate speech and vice versa. I mean, uh, no no side was very tolerant uh, towards the other side. And I guess Twitter Twitter is not uh, is not the place you're going to find the tolerant people, even if they <laughs> exist. But yeah. yeah, it's not. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. it's not very surprising. I guess yeah. I think on Reddit was very intolerant too, because uh, typically on Reddit you can see people having real conversations, and, and mm. uh, this wasn't the case. I mean, okay. uh, the I mean the conflict goes so deep. I mean, uh, when we compare what we learn at school and what other people learn in, uh, at school, I mean those are so very different. That mm. when it comes to speak, you just need some ground to know that this is the fact and this is the opinion. But the, in this conflict, every everything is so smashed around. I mean, there is no facts. Uh, everybody mm. is just pushing what their political agenda, what fits their political agenda better. Okay. That is uh, disappointingly unsurprising, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. So the, the the forty-four days of the conflict, you're just trying to live your life. But like, I I don't know where where you live. Do you live in your uh, Yeah. Or, yeah. So you're just you're just living a normal life with this in the background because the war is inside. You know, I don't want to say something that's bad but it's inside Azerbaijan, Azerbaijani territory like the that independent republic so i'm guessing does it like how do you even get the troops you're saying your your friends were called upon because they needed military was it to strengthen the border in uh, armenia or like does it affect you in armenia because the 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 conflict is outside of the borders of armenia right so uh, well, there were some clashes happening on the border for as Armenia well, as okay. well, but mm. uh, but basically Armenia is very. I mean, uh, basically those people in Artsakh are Armenians, and Armenia as a country mm. is very supportive in terms in all all terms that you can imagine. Military. No, that um, I understand. But if you want to send troops, like, do you send them by plane over Azerbaijan territory? Like, it's it's difficult to imagine how. Armenia could oh, I help see, militarily. I see. Okay, yeah. L- l- let me give some perspective. I mean, yeah. uh, like the part of the, uh, the Nagorno-Karabakh is kind of connected with Armenia with a very, very thin corridor that now, after the uh, ceasefire has been established, uh, is under peacekeeping forces of Russia, and that is very important corridor. And um, you, you can imagine that as as a very, um, I mean the only connecting area between Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh Republic and Armenia. But other than that, uh, 
all the territory between Nagorno-Karabakh and Armenia were ruled by Armenians as well. So okay. basically, the main main way to get was through those uh, through that corridor, but not mm-hmm. only the the territory is very attached to Armenia. So I mean, so even, even though it is uh, technically Azerbaijan, the people that who live there are Armenian, and they're just like okay, just walk over there and and but. Azerbaijan doesn't send military forces in that because it's not a very large area. It's like a, a handful of kilometers. Um, yeah, it's actually eleven thousand square kilometers. To be precise. No, sorry. What I mean is is the the space between the Armenian border and the uh, border of the uh, uh, I don't want to say the name because I'm butchering it every time. But Artsakh. <laughs> okay, Artsakh. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's like what three kilometers four kilometers it's it's relatively oh, small. Oh, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. It's okay. kind of um, two hours uh, to get from Armenian border to Stepanakert. Okay. I'd guess. I'd guess. I mean, I've been okay. there like a couple of years ago. I I wouldn't be able to recall the exact amount okay. of time I spent on the road. Okay, but so the the army, if it needs to go there to defend it, it just goes there, like gets in the truck. The the soldiers go in the truck and drive. I'd guess so. I'm, mm. I'm not the best person to ask okay, this question. Okay, no. all right, yeah, all right. I, I'd guess so. I'd it's guess just so. surprising, you know, that if it is, it's so, I, it, I get the impression that it's so fuzzy uh, in that region because of the population that are, uh, you know, one into the other's country that it, it if, to me, it would be like, but wait, this is Azerbaijani territory, so they can put their military there and prevent anyone from entering, right? They have a border. But I, I don't, it seems like that's it's not that clear cut. No, no, that's not that clear cut. Mm. In terms of uh, basically, as I said, de facto it was ruled by Armenians for right. the last 30 years. And okay. uh, that was the main point of the, of the conflict. I mean, uh, Azerbaijan, like, if I put the conflict just in three simple words, uh, Azerbaijan says that those territories belong to them, uh, and the Armenian people there are saying that we want to be independent, as they declared when Soviet Union was. Um, I mean, when Armenia or Azerbaijan as a republic announced and voted that they want to get out of the Soviet Union, same the same thing was done by uh, Nagorno-Karabakh region because mm. it was independent. Um, Though in the in the area of uh, Azerbaijani Soviet uh, Republic, but it was uh, it was independent. They mm-hmm. declared independence after the Soviet uh, Soviet Union was uh, was not there anymore. Uh, but basically, their decision legally won't ever be considered. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the war. The first war erupted. Uh, right. So basically, if I put it simple, Azerbaijani people are saying this is our territory and it belongs to us. Armenian people there are saying, uh, no, we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, basically, this is the situation. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately, the neighborhood and uh, the territory doesn't allow us to go with uh, very, um, I mean, um, I mean, if we compare the situation with Kosovo, I, I don't know if this is the best analogy to go with, uh, but if we, it, if we compare, uh, in case of Kosovo, a lot, a lot of countries are recognizing this as a as a um, as an independent country, and in case of Artsakh, nobody does, because okay. uh, just uh, just because of the uh, a lot of uh, a lot of non clear uh, profits benefits happening around the area. So yeah, okay. basically, neighborhood doesn't give it the right to go independent legally, and right. uh, if the people there want to do that. Uh, this is the main, I mean, the conflict is between the sovereignty of Azerbaijani territory and the people of Artsakh wanting to be free. This is the main mm. conflict. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Complicated so the, topic, huh? Yeah, defi- definitely. <laughs> and I'm realizing that there's actually um, Ar- Ar- Armenian territory around uh, the... the uh, you know, the Artsakh ter- territory we're talking about inside of Azerbaijani territory. So it's super, yeah, yeah complicated. All right. So the 44 days, let's let's uh, get to that. So the 44 days, things are complicated. You try to live your life normally, but with the constant, uh, like, worry and news about what's happening. And some people 
like from the Armenian population, even even in Yerevan, I'm guessing, go being cold to the war. Uh, how is that going until the the uh, I mean, um, like if we go about uh, business side of things, uh, most of the business was trying to operate as they as they can can. As, as proficient as they can during the day and doing some volunteer work during the night or non-business hours. This was the main situation. I mean, everybody was uh, was contributing by money, by voluntary work, by just uh, visiting people that are in Armenia. I mean, you could sit in the cafe and see just a family from, a refugee family from ourselves sitting next uh, next and getting treated by, yeah. I mean, uh, people giving them just... Uh, like hosting them. <laughs> I don't know. How. Yeah, no, that, uh, that makes sense. So, I, okay, just so I try to get a, a visual picture of it. How is the mm-hmm. capital going during that conflict? Is it everyone like... I, I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to understand if life was going on as usual with the worry always in everyone's head or was kind of the war touching the capital and the rest of the country no, and everyone was like was, holy shit we're at war uh i mean it's i mean when you go out to the street you don't feel war right there but the mm. mood has changed not everybody's having fun any, anymore i mean friday night nobody is having uh, any parties around not because mm. of the covid but because of the war but basically people were uh keeping on working uh, and uh, worrying about the situation. I mean, mm. that's that, that's not, that's a mix of two uh, scenarios you are saying. Okay, I see. Okay, so we get to, after 44 days of truces and truce breaking and, and no mm-hmm. one knowing exactly what's going to happen and Turkey and Russia getting involved maybe behind the scenes, um, my understanding is that the resolution that happened, what was it, a week ago, um, was... Two weeks. Two weeks ago. Okay, sorry. So two weeks ago, yeah, that was right in the middle of the American election. So I, my mind yeah. was definitely somewhere else. Um, was very uh, unfavorable to Armenia, correct? And and how? Um Yes, it is. I mean, uh, basically, the ceasefire agreement says that we are giving up uh, most of the territory. Uh, uh, and, most uh, of, but not all of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the ter- I mean, the the thing here is both again political and psychological because people will be leaving. I mean, people returning back to uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and Tapanakert. I mean. All the all the cities that are under Armenian control, uh, they they are still. Uh, I mean, they are still refugees going back, but uh, psychologically, they won't feel very secure anymore. Mm. In sense of uh, in, in sense of, of course, there are peacekeeping forces there, but uh, how secure the things are, how mm. you have the guarantee that uh, nothing will happen again. I mean, uh, I mean, even. Um, I mean, mercenaries were involved in the war and how you know that nothing will be happening and everything is under control of peacekeepers. Uh, so this is one of the concerns. Uh, but basically, it is it is very, very, uh, very positive for me that uh, the war stopped, actually, mm. because uh, we were, I mean, our, our friends were fighting and it is very good that nobody will going to die anymore. I mean, this is the positive part of it. Yeah, uh, that, that's a, actually a question I wanted to ask, and I'm sorry for the grim nature of the question, but um, do you know how many people died uh, in the war? Because it was a war. It's not like two armies standing on you know uh, one side of the border. There was actual conflict. Do you know how many people died? Oh, well, on our side, we do know because the Armenian side is announcing names, surnames, uh, mm-hmm. and after the after the ceasefire, I mean, POWs were, I mean, prisoners of war were being uh, being changed. I mean, between mm-hmm. between the nations, uh, basically, from Armenian side, the estimation I believe is around one thousand and six hundred, okay. uh, and that's just a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the population of Armenia is about three million people. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, and for Artsakh, it's around one hundred and fifty thousand. So yeah, the numbers mm-hmm. are really high compared to the population. So 
how does the country feel? How did the country f feel um, two weeks ago when the ceasefire and the peace was signed? Oh, um, I mentioned about the first legitimate leader we have in a while, and now it's. Uh, uh, I mean, this this is considered kind of a historical loss for Armenia, uh, in terms of. Uh, It has been really important for Armenian people to know that uh, Artsakh is safe. Uh, and now a lot of people are considering that there is no other choice than uh, changing the leadership, and uh, which raises a question of, um, I mean, being a young democracy, if I can, could say so, it raises the question of who who's going to lead the country again. And uh, a lot of political tension is happening around uh, some protests every day, uh, but not very, which is surprising for me, protests are, are I mean, they are very uh, big, but they are not as big as the revolution was. Uh, first, first night, there was just uh, thousands of people on the street again, uh, just uh, saying that there is no other choice. Uh, the leader, Nicole Pashinyan, should go and to, which, you know, not, not in a very nice way, mm. uh, but now rather more uh, civilized protests and some uh, even um, I mean the process is going more towards healing and more towards uh, looking forward and see what should be done and what should be done for country to get better so are you uh, I, so I yeah. guess the question is at this point are you uh, ex expecting the young democracy to remain democratic or do you think that's the kind of, of uh issue that can topple over uh armenia's it democratic process very much, it depends very much how we act uh i mean if we keep it it, it will stay there i mean we have all the chances to keep the democracy in terms of uh having for example snap elections not just doing another revolution having uh, having more you know a uh, peaceful change of the government. But uh, my belief at this point is there is no way that ruling party will stay in force for, for a long time. This is this is my just feeling mm. and my uh, choice, I'd say. But so the, the, the president was elected in 2018, correct? And oh, we are we are not presidential democracy. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Like, sorry. What the the <laughs> I, I I don't know the the exact. Uh, uh, you know, well, uh, electoral system, but we, the government was the, put in place through election two years ago. Yes. yes And I'm like guessing it. the mandate is more than two years. So in Five. theory, it could stay in place for another few years, right? Mm -hmm, for another three years. Right. Two, two and a half, three years. Yeah. Okay. So it's a five-year term. Uh, so do you vote for the uh, prime minister or is it parliamentary or... Oh, we are parliamentary. Yeah, we okay. are. We have um, our government is parliamentary, so we are voting for parliament, and then they are choosing the prime they minister. Elect, yeah. We do have a president, but president is kind of uh, not elected. Uh, right, and less of an important. Yeah, it's one of the countries where the president is not uh, the actual. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, so yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, there, there are a few of those. Yeah, um, but so. Do you think now the parliament is going to ask for the resignation of the prime minister and the government? Or is are they saying they're going to call for more elections or for new elections? Or are they saying, no, we're going to finish our you know term? Or what's the situation there? Well, it's it's really mixed up. I mean, we had a lot of ministers resigning recently, I, I believe. I mean, I lost the count. This is how many ministers mm. are resigning right now, which, which is not funny, but It, it's kind of sounds fun uh, basically and uh, my guess is current uh, government current uh, chosen government is trying to regain the power and trust uh, but, uh, but the situation isn't I mean it's just mixed up it's not crystallized yet to say what's what's gonna happen it's just in I mean it's in the process uh, mm. depends a lot on how people will be will be acting I mean People saying, I mean, allied, uh, political allied uh, people, and uh, Elite, yeah. depending how they react to the different situations, some people just think that agreement should be changed. Some people think that uh, we just should like heal and go back and uh, mm. gain the territories back. I mean, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of disputed. Uh, okay, but so just yes. to be clear, the prime minister, which I guess is the one who holds the the keys um, to the government, yes. hasn't 
announced uh, they're going to resign and no. call for new elections? No, he's, okay. um, as far as I get, he's, uh, ta- his intention is to stay. And, okay. Uh, mm. All yeah. right. Um, so how do you see things evolving? I guess that's going to be my last uh, topic. How do you see things evolving uh, for the country and at the same time for, I don't want to say the region, but I guess, you know, the relations with Azerbaijan and Turkey and the overarching influence of Russia? Like, how do you think things are going to evolve over the next few years? Oh, well, um, surprisingly, I'm very positive about uh, about how this can turn for Armenia. I mean, it can be... Um, a single case to reunite all the people and uh, like, you know, give kind of cold shower and uh, mm. be a call for um, for focusing on the right thing, uh, focusing, for example, on science, focusing on uh, having more stable industries and, uh, you know, mm. uh, motivation and uh, motivation and investments as uh, the war should be more, I mean, if we... S- if we look at it from investments, uh, investments, and uh, you look at uh, the risk of war happening all the time, um, basically, basically having the war situation out of the table for at least five years mm. could could give Armenia some opportunity for for the growth, uh, for faster growth in that uh, time period. Uh, Basically, I'm I'm very impatient to see how the political situation will will stabilize back, and we will know for sure that for upcoming I don't know couple of years this is this is the government that everybody agrees with, and no protests happening because you know protests on the streets are uh, a lot about um, a lot about government not working right. I mean, every time this happens, you know that people disagree to the extent of getting out to the street. Uh, so my expectation is to get that uh, thing stabilized in a couple of months, I, I'd guess, and mm. then focusing on uh, getting more and more powerful in terms of science and in terms of education. And so you think, I, I'm curious, so you think it's going to be stabilized, that's a really important aspect, but why do you uh, focus so much about science and education? Is that a prime concern in Armenia or is that maybe what you're into and something that's been lacking? Oh. Like, why is it such <laughs> that's, a that's an uh, interesting question. focus? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, that's, that's the focus because, uh, you know, um, I mean, the forces in this war were very unequal. Uh, I mean, Armenia being just 3 million people and, uh, uh, and Azerbaijan back to Turkey being uh, like 10 million Azerbaijan and 10 a lot and having the oil industry to back the, uh, back the industry. I mean, uh, Armenia didn't have much of the force to, in both political sense, uh, diplomacy, sense, in sense of diplomatical relations and in sense of, uh, in sense of uh, military. Uh, but what I, what I think why science and education should be uh, refostered again is to, to become powerful. I mean, uh, to, to be able to make our voice listened again, because uh, this is just n- not going to happen that we are uh, we are cared for just for our uh, beautiful eyes, uh, mm. and yeah, that's that's the vision. And uh, a lot of people around me are sharing this. I mean, we need to uh, we need to have uh, the either the financial power or the military power to have the voice. And uh, sure, so I'm science and edu- education is a way to uh, get more political strength i guess and since you don't have oil and you don't have the backing of turkey and you don't that's what you're saying you have to science your way uh into more regional influence or more regional power is that what you mean yes, to, to to be able yes exactly your wording mm. it way better than i do okay. and uh, <laughs> basically yes that that mm. that's what i say i see okay all right. Well, uh, let's hope that happens and things are, are stable. Is there anything I didn't ask about or anything else you would like to add before we close the show? Um, no, I guess that's it. Uh, and I'm really, uh, really thankful for raising the question. I'm not, again, sure that I was the best person to cover the topic, but 
I do hope I did uh, give some perspective on what's happening on this side of the world. You know, it's funny. It's uh, every time I, I ask someone if they're interested in being on the show, they're always uh, assuming that they they are not someone that can speak to these things when, you know, we have so many journalists and people who do a certain kind of job um, that, again, is, is very important. But what we don't get is the, the opinion of the actual normal people who are going to tell us how they feel and how they see things. So, um, you know, and I think you did so very eloquently and, and very well. So thank you for taking the time. Um, before we uh, leave, do you have a, an online presence in case uh, uh, people are interested in, you know, uh, uh, reaching out or just interested in, in seeing what you do? I, I believe you have a Twitter account. Yes, I, I do have Twitter account. Should I share that with you in the chat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can just say it now, and I'll include it in the in the show notes. Um, it is I, I I can say it, but go ahead. You're better at it than me. Uh, okay, the, so that that will be Twitter account, and I'm presenting there at Ach Petrosan, spelled as A C H. I guess I I'll be the only A C H on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. So Ach Petrosian um, in the show notes. Anything else? Anything else you do you want to share? No, um, I just uh, would like to thank uh, Julian, who was very supportive and uh, he gave me the idea that maybe I will be able to participate and share some thoughts. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks to both of you then. Uh, thank you very much. Um, as you know, my name is Patrick Beja. I am not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else. If you appreciate the show, you can support it at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link is also in the show notes. And I appreciate every person who chooses uh, to support the show financially. Um, we are going to have episodes in December as well. But I would like to say for the record um, that it is, look, I shouldn't jinx it. It is looking like 2021 isn't going to be so bad. Um, uh, we recently heard that uh, the democratic process is moving forward in the U.S., which, as I mentioned, I think influences a large part of the world. Um, Vaccines are being announced as potentially uh, working left and right. Uh, and even Atch is optimistic about the future of uh, Armenia after a pretty horrible few weeks. So listen, if you are optimistic, I think we don't have the right not to be as well, Atch. So thank you for <laughs> telling us so on the show. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back in a few weeks with another episode. Uh, have a lovely day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.